Hello there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jedi Knights, Episode 3. I'm your moderator, Christian Buckley. Joining me once again is Mike Connors. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. I'm happy to have you here. I think your presence makes the show better because... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because, one, if it wasn't you, I would just be talking to a wall. Okay, And two... (laughs) To to actually give you a compliment, you know so much about Star Wars. Well, I appreciate that. You, I think you know more about Star Wars than you think you do, Christian. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. I will gladly take that. Uh, Pat Maroney will not be joining us this week. He's off on assignment. But our assignment today is to tackle a late week of Star Wars news. Yeah, I mean, we had two pretty, pretty heavy weeks yeah. these past two uh, episodes, but this yeah. week is not so bad. Yeah, so full disclosure, we were expecting... We're recording this on a Tuesday this <laughs> week because of how scheduling worked out, and we were hoping that the uh, the trailer for Episode 9 would debut Monday Night Football, the night of the 14th. You said hoping. I was, like, literally praying. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did not happen, so a later news week than I was expecting. Yeah. But we'll get into all of that. Before we do, though, we're going to kick the show off the way that we've been doing so far every week with a game called Fire the Cannon, where I supply us with a tweet-sized recap of a piece of Star Wars canon that is no longer canon. Cool. Uh, We talk about it for a bit, decide if it's worthy of being brought into the main canon, adapted, retooled, or just recognized again, or if uh, the Disney purchase was valid in its (laughs) firing of this canon. Exactly, yeah. So we fire the cannon being destroy it, uh, make it canon means we like it. What's it going to be this week? This week is a little little series called Star Wars Clone Wars. Okay. And I know what you're thinking. Star Wars Clone Wars, that's canon. That is Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's all in the name, folks. It is. Let me get into it. Uh, Jendi Tartakovsky, who is notable for Samurai Jack, very good cartoon, delivered a television micro-series dealing detailing the events of the Clone Wars between Episodes 2 and 3. Bridge the gap between the two films during the gap between film releases. This series was the first appearance of one General Grievous, and it introduced us to Asajj Ventress. Mm -hmm. The series lasted for 25 episodes across three seasons, but now is no longer considered canon in favor of the Clone Wars. Okay. So I have a fondness for this series i watched as a child i have both volumes on dvd and i i think i thought it was a neat because i liked the style of samurai jack i liked seeing star wars portrayed in this way i thought there were a lot of very nice quiet moments i liked the introduction of general grievous from memory this past weekend i sent it to you i also sent it to pat yeah because it is on youtube you can watch it the entire thing yeah in its entirety uh, you got about, you would say, halfway through? I th- Yeah, I would say like halfway. I, okay. Yeah. So you do have a vague familiarity with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this series did feature some voice talent that did make their way over to Clone Wars. Yeah. Notably Obi-Wan? Yes. Okay. I have to say the person who did Anakin's voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> really bad. Really? Yeah. Is it in line with Hayden Christensen? Uh, No, it's like more whiny, <laughs> like okay. if that's even possible. Okay. Uh, but So... I guess the pitch this week for making a cannon or firing this cannon is just an alternate take on the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars we have really fleshes out Anakin 
in the prequel cast, I guess, as characters. But from what I've seen of the Clone Wars series, as much as I like it, and I'm planning on binging it when we get it later this year on Disney Plus, I there's a disconnect in me because it feels like this Anakin is not the Anakin that I know from the films. The Anakin and the Star Wars Clone Wars. No, the Star Wars the Clone Wars. Oh, got it. I think Star Wars Clone Wars Anakin in my head because he's more whiny because he's more. He's working with what two supplied. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense that this is the progression of Anakin in my head. Right. Than this wise young Jedi who trained a Padawan. And then come episode three, he's back to normal, you know? Right. I mean, I think with, uh, with Star Wars, the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and Star Wars, Clone Wars, the latter, what I watched at least Seems like it could fit into the can- the canon series. Yeah, uh, maybe the characters aren't mm-hmm. necessarily like the same uh, representation. Uh, like you said, Anakin is a little bit more whiny yeah. in Clone Wars mm-hmm. uh, rather than the Clone Wars. But um, I could see this being maybe like a like an earlier episode of the Clone Wars, like mm-hmm. in an earlier season. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily think that I would want to put this in uh, canon on its own. Okay. If that makes sense. Let me make a pitch to you of how I think it could work. Okay. If, for a hypothetical sake of our fun little game, we struck Star Wars The Clone Wars, the film, from okay. the canon, yeah. and replaced it with this, Okay. where we do get the more whiny Anakin, and then by season one, episode one of The Clone Wars, we have the more developed Anakin. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a nice happy medium because if you if you're remembering the Star Wars the Clone Wars film which introduced us to Ahsoka and this style of Star Wars series. Can I say that I've never watched that? Rea- it's not great. Okay. Well, I just want to put it on the record that I've never seen that movie. Um which is like a bad thing to say. But. That was the first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters. Okay. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it very much. Like when you watched it? I had a fun time because it was like, oh, Star Wars in the movie theater, right. but like Rewatching it after the fact, I was like, "Ooh, this is a kind of, kind of rough." I mean, like, you haven't seen much of the Clone Wars I've TV seen, show. I've seen about a season. Okay, so how does it how does it compare? I think the show is better. Okay, significantly. All right, but uh, I want to give a quick shout out Cantina Conversations, another Star Wars podcast. They are reviewing that because that film is canon, because the series is canon. Yeah, so uh, they're reviewing it. Shout okay. out to uh, Will Beeman. Yeah, shout out DJ. Jackson, cool. But uh, <laughs> so, what do we do? We want to fire this cannon. We haven't fired any cannon yet, but I, f- I feel like you're not too hot on it. I'm not too hot on it. You know, when I watched it, like it just didn't like catch my attention. Yeah, as like the Clone Wars have has, mm-hmm. and like I should also note that I haven't seen the entirety of the Clone Wars. Yeah, okay. But uh, I've I've seen a significant portion of it mm-hmm. um, at least, and that. I like that representation of the characters better. Okay. Um, and I don't know if this would really fit necessarily. That's fair. Um, I, maybe maybe take some of the, the, the locations and the storylines out of this and kind of adapt them. Yeah. Um, I could see that working. Yeah, because I, I, I'll go with you on this because it has been a long time since I've watched it. I haven't had a chance to revisit it. Uh, potentially we could in the future. Yeah. But if... I I'm, I think we should fire the cannon. I think we should fire this cannon. But if they did want to adapt a story like this with a de-aged Ewan McGregor and a de-aged Hayden Christensen, 
I would be kind of interested. Like how I'll they did, that. like they did Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we fired the cannon on that one. Yeah, fired sorry. The First story. Okay. Again, it's a light week, so be prepared for a different kind of episode today. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make the news, folks. We I was just talk about it. I was prepared to discuss that for another twenty minutes. <laughs> Wait, what? The uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about it all day. Oh no, no, no. We have some things we can talk about. All right. Uh, John Boyega, fan of him. Sure. He's a cool guy. Totally. I like how active he is in the Star Wars fan base. Yeah, he just seems like... He's passionate. <laughs> he just seems like a, like a geek, honestly. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love him on social media. Uh, like I said before we got into our game, we were expecting, praying in some cases, oh, yeah. for the Episode Nine trailer. John Boyega tweeted, I believe Monday morning... Addressing the Star Wars community mm-hmm. about said trailer. I just love how he does that. I know. I yeah. love how that's a thing. <laughs> so I'll read. Uh, he had two tweets. I combined them here. He said, SW fans, I don't know when the trailer is coming out and I haven't made any announcements about it. So let's just wait for the studio to release it. I definitely think it's soon, though. Release is around the corner, so I'm sure the gears are in motion. That's my honest take on it for now. Relax. With a few emojis sprinkled in here or there. Sure. But, uh... Yeah, I, I'm. we were talking about this before the show. At this point, because the reason we were so dead set on the trailer coming out is because for The Last Jedi, October 10th, was the final trailer for the film. It makes sense that we would get our official full trailer, the one that shows too much, Yeah. Uh, around now. Right. They also did it for The Force Awakens, too. They did. On Monday Night Football. Yes. And Disney likes the synergy of the brand. We covered this a lot of the reasoning on this last week. So there's only a couple games left in October. Yeah. Uh, Literally. There's two, right? Yeah. They can't wait till November. Yeah. That's too late. That's way too late. Yeah. So I do think next week I would be cautiously optimistic. I I would say that, you know, and this comes from literally like no... (laughs) <laughs> like there's there's no scientific backing to this at all, but mm-hmm. I'd say ninety five percent. Okay, ninety five percent chance it's gonna be. Is that Patriots Jets? It is Patriots Jets. Okay, and I'll be watching. Uh, go Jets. I feel like I have to say go Patriots. You know, I'm from New England, so <laughs> I don't follow football much. Uh, but as someone who is from Long Island, I have to say go Jets. Okay, that's fair. Uh, are you gonna watch this trailer? Uh, yes. Okay. Because I don't think I could, like, physically restrain <laughs> myself from not clicking on it and watching it. I've tried in the past. Yeah. I like being media blackout on a lot of things mm-hmm. because I'll never forget the original Avengers. There was a trailer I watched at least, like, 25 times. At some point in the trailer, Hulk jumps up in the air, catches Iron Man, falls on his shoulder. Yeah. There's a moment, spoilers for Avengers from 2012. I don't even think you need to do that. <laughs> I just like being considerate. All right. <laughs> There's a moment where Iron Man is making a hero sacrifice. He's flying up into this wormhole with a nuke. He's like, I got to do it. It's only me. I'm the only one who can do this. He sends it up into space, falls as a wormhole to space is closing after he delivers that payload. Mm-hmm. Is he going to make it? He's falling. He's falling. Oh, wait. The Hulk catching Iron Man shot hasn't happened yet. Five seconds later, that's what happens. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of cases, especially, I feel like Disney's been a little better about it since then, but 
yeah, there's just something that freaks me out, especially on the third trailer for something that like that's when you get into the territory of like we're really trying to sell this to people that aren't sold yet. So totally. we got to show as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to say, though, that I will try to wait as long as I can so we can react and watch this trailer together. I know it might oh, be hard for man, you. I don't know. We could do it over like a, a call or something. I would, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I could wait like that long. If we get lucky, maybe like we just have to record late that day. But yeah, I'm fine doing a call, getting in the call because I want to watch it with you. Yeah, I, I would like to watch it with you too. Okay, but I don't know if I can wait days. To watch oh no, no no no. Okay, so yeah. yeah, we can we can figure something out. But I would I would like to get you and Pat yeah. on a call. And we can watch that thing together. Absolutely. Can I can I opine about something really quick? Sure. Um, the thing about Star Wars trailers, um, I haven't had the experience that they spoil too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for The Last Jedi, um, there were some questionable shots, but they were all taken just extremely out of context. Yeah. Um, I guess you can call that spoilers and air quotes, mm-hmm. like just because like it's a part of the movie that you haven't seen before and yeah. it like, shows a part of the story. But if it's taken out of context, you watch that trailer and you have no idea what the, what's going on. Yeah. And uh, and part of the reason why I like watching the trailers is because I just really like the hype behind it. Okay. And it kind of builds that anticipation for me mm-hmm. because like I, I've seen like little trinkets of it, you know. Yeah. And also, I don't think I can physically restrain myself. Yeah, that's fair. It, so <laughs> I, I tried very hard with the Force Awakens. I got far. Yeah. I think I didn't watch that third trailer. Okay. But. With Last Jedi, I was like, you know what? I feel it's just so much of a struggle to mm-hmm. try and not see these things because people are going to be tweeting. It's going to be people are going to find memes that just oh, yeah. s- exist until the movie's out. That I just accept it and go with it because it does feel like an event. You know, it's a Star Wars movie. A trailer for a new Star Wars movie should feel like an event. Right. Totally. So that in itself, like you're saying, is something to be there for. Yeah. A lot of the reason why I like the new Star Wars movies is because there's so much hype behind it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't watch the trailer, then it's like I'm missing out on some of that hype. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely get that. Yeah. Um, I think also something you said about pulling shots out of context. I think we already already have a strong example of that mm-hmm. for that what we have seen of Episode Nine. Right. Specifically, spoilers if you're media blackout, uh, the shot of Ray. With the red lightsaber and the hood. Totally, yeah. That's 100% out of context. All of them are, though. Right, that's yeah. That's the thing. Like, well, like, something like that that's put in for shock value. Right, totally. You know? We have no idea what that even means. You know, a slight tangent here. Sure. There's a... I, I'm a fan of Easy Allies. They're a YouTube channel that cover mostly gaming. Not familiar, but... One of the members of that group, Kyle Bossman, has this thing that he always tells into the void perhaps but he he says that trail a good trailer for a project to get excited about should have this in it it's called a doc brown spider monster what exactly okay so the idea is that say they announce back to the future 4 okay nobody wants to see that right nobody at all wants to see a back to the future 4 no but if the trailer ends and it's a close up of doc brown's face and he's like marty i need help and then it like goes to a wide shot and it's Doc Brown's head on a giant like gross spider monster hard cut date you get people talking yeah no definitely (laughs) that blows up that goes on Twitter that trends right 
I think the instance of that trailer that we saw recently for episode nine of Ray with the double red lightsaber is a Doc Brown spider monster. Definitely. I mean, it just, we have no idea what that means. I like, I could not escape that if I wanted to. I saw that everywhere. Yeah. So I'm sure the third and final trailer for episode nine will have something akin to that. Um, a good friend of both of ours, Jack Martin, mm-hmm. for The Last Jedi, he did not watch the final trailer. Props to him. Uh, props to him. And yeah. I honestly don't know how he did it. <laughs> Because he was very active on Twitter, yeah, and he maintained his his blackout, yeah, and you know, I don't even think that that would be possible for me. You, yeah, you really got to mute like every single variation of those words that you can think of. Yep, I recently did that for Death Stranding, the uh, new Hideo Kojima game. Okay, it's been hard. I'm still seeing Death Stranding stuff in my timeline because like every single day I see a new like variation of something I have to block to not see information about this. That's wild. Yeah. It's 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 hard. It's a hard life to live, but I do think sometimes it pays off for like visual imagery, getting a treat of new things, new planets to see. Because a lot of Star Wars that's exciting is the landscapes. Mm -hmm. Like if we didn't know about Crate in the Last Jedi, and then all of a sudden they just go into this assault mining planet, I feel like that visual imagery going along with the marketing of the entire thing, which was red and white, would have made so much more sense. Would have been a really cool reveal. Right. I think it's hard for trailer companies and films in general, you know, to have that much restraint because you do have to sell your product. Mm-hmm. So implementing that choice on myself, right. I think sometimes get, does give a benefit, but I'm with you mostly. One more point. Yeah. Uh, I have faith that J.J. Abrams would not allow something in a trailer that absolutely gives away. Oh, yeah. Uh, like yeah, I don't a, a major plot point. We did not see that with The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. If you look back on the trailer, it's incredibly restrained super restrained i mean we didn't know that ray was a jedi until yeah the movie came out yeah like like, let's let's be no yeah we all thought it was gonna be finn yeah because the trailer yeah he's he's the king of misdirection yeah for better for worse i agree and i i think that the trailer is definitely going to be event i definitely want to watch it with you and i'm interested to see how they tee up the lead up to release i am too and i'm excited to see the trailer me too you know who else is working on a TF to release? <laughs> who? Disney Plus. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yesterday, again Monday, Disney Plus tweeted out a list of a lot of the content which will be available day one on November 15th or 12th. I should fact check that. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, it's very soon. It's less than a month at this point. So for the Star Wars content available day one, they're going to have the saga films minus Solo and The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. because those are still tied up with Netflix at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that means 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Rogue One, right. and The Clone Wars will be available. Okay. Uh, the Clone Wars series. But only seasons 1 through 5, right? As well as The Lost Missions, or whatever those are called. Okay. So the sequel, season 6. Right. Right, that's what... Right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah they yeah, didn't yeah. call it season 6, they called it Clone Wars, The Lost Episodes, Lost Missions, or something like that. That was the gap that I was trying to figure out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mandalorian season one, episode one. Cool. Rebels. Nice. Season one of Resistance. Okay. Empire of Dreams, which is a documentary about the original trilogy. That's a great documentary. Which I'm very interested to watch. It's on YouTube. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, for free. I th- you know what? I think I might have pulled a clip of that for a project I had to do once. It's it's on YouTube in its entirety, like pretty good quality. I, I actually watched it like a week ago. Nice. That's cool. Uh, short review is a good, worth watching. Oh, it's totally worth watching. Yeah. It goes through like George Lucas, um, 
just like his filmmaking career mm-hmm. for like the first 30 ish minutes. And th- that's fascinating by itself. Interesting. That actually might be on the special Blu-ray saga I have. It might. Because I have two bonus discs. So it might be on that. It might. Um, and wrapping it all up, there are going to be four Lego Star Wars, either short series films. I'm not sure what they are, but I know, I don't think it's the original one. Remember when there was that original Lego Star Wars short film that was released on Cartoon Network when we were kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't think that one's included. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you know if this is, this is this new content? The Lego series? Yeah. No, there's been a handful of okay. Lego Star Wars bits they've put out, and I believe those are the ones they're pulling. I'm in. I'm. I'm satisfied with all of this content for day one. Yeah, me too. I'm a little disappointed. I'll say that some of the other legacy content is not going to be included. Like, for instance, Clone Wars. Because oh. now is that just lost to time? Are they going to brand not fan films, but like films surrounding Star Wars or series surrounding Star Wars that are productions involved with Lucasfilm? Are they just going to, for the ones that aren't canon, toss those out, forget that they're going to be on streaming services? Are they going to label their own legends for film and television? I, You know, it seems as if that Disney wants to keep the continuity in their own canon. Yeah, I think that's where we're at right now. And if they were to throw it up on Disney+, Plus, uh, even if they slapped, like, legends on it, mm-hmm. it would confuse people. You're probably right, because they have to be very, very specific with yeah. a lot of the ways they label things. And... Like, it, you and I would get it, but the general, a general right, audience like, might not. Right, because, like, when it comes to film and TV, I think you're right, because there are books, and the books get labeled legends. Yeah. Let's be honest. Not a lot of people reading books these days, you know? <laughs> books? Never yeah. heard of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. It is a bummer, because I do think there's a lot of interesting history with other Star Wars content, like Clone Wars, the holiday special, for instance, <laughs> which I know they wish they could probably bury, but... I think it's important to have all of the history there. Yeah. You know, because where else are you going to find that YouTube? Yeah. But like having it included in this and who knows if they could yeah. down the line, but day one, this is what we're looking at. I mean, I, maybe one day yeah. down the line, they'll throw it on there, mm-hmm. but like opening, like opening day for, <laughs> I don't, that sounds silly for a streaming service, but like the first day that this is available, I don't, think they would do they want that. people watching it's the ho- the star wars holidays no, yeah they want people watching like disney star wars yeah or like canon star wars yeah for sure uh which leads me to my question about this sure uh i saw this from either the disney plus twitter account or the star wars twitter account they put out a poll they were like hey what star wars content are you watching first on day one i believe the leading answer was the mandalorian season one episode one mm-hmm. uh but what about you what are you gonna bite into first um, I mean, I would be lying if I said anything other than the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Um, not to say that I'm not interested in other things. Yeah, though. I haven't seen any of Resistance. I haven't either. And the art looks like so cool, mm-hmm. like phenomenal. It's very different as far as what we've gotten so far with Star Wars animation. Yeah, and I've been like hearing super good things about it. Mm-hmm. And if you know the first season's on Disney Plus, like. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, why not? Um, I think as soon as I finish watching The Mandalorian, yeah, I might dive into the Clone Wars. That's a good idea. Because yeah, I also worth mentioning to listeners or viewers, um, the Clone Wars wasn't released in like the right order, apparently. It was not, no. And there's guys out there. I 
I would hope it would be nice if Disney Plus put them in the right order. I don't think that will happen. I don't think that would happen. What would be, what would be cool is if they did it two ways. If they just like put it in the order that it was released, mm-hmm. and then like maybe had like a separate tab, for, like a like, playlist for like the order of where what you're supposed to view them. Yeah, like if you want to watch it chronologically, mm-hmm. here's like a here's the playlist. Yeah, so yeah. I have to find a write up of that. I know Jack sent me one, so I have to look into that. They're but floating around on the internet. Yeah, I, I think Clone Wars is the thing I'm diving into like hardcore when Disney Plus launches. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's. That's like third on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll do Rebels after because I have seen an episode of Rebels. I've seen less of Rebels than I have Clone Wars, but I liked it. So I've seen all of Rebels mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for news this week. Uh, like I said, light news week. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to take a short break. After that, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. See you in a second. Laugh it up, fuzzball. War. <laughs> yeah seriously welcome back we are now going to be reviewing star wars episode three revenge of the sith uh we've started every episode so far every review so far talking about the crawl mm-hmm. this crawl a weird one can i say something about this yeah, crawl? sure go for uh, it. so i watched this movie last night with my girlfriend mm-hmm. and she hadn't ever seen this movie before oh really yeah so um <laughs> literally right when the first line like like crossed this the screen's like event horizon mm-hmm. she was like war <laughs> and i was like yeah it's star wars like come on <laughs> yeah because i mean at the time we only had clone wars yeah to fill this gap mm-hmm. so this movie has a lot of catch-up to do for the people that didn't see that yeah we have to know what's going on we got another state of the galaxy and this crawl more than any other, I'd say, really throws you in. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, I would say, that they never really mention the heroes until the very end, and they don't even name them, but they specifically name General Grievous, Dooku, and... Do they mention Palpatine? I don't think they mention Palpatine. Okay. They might. What I will say about the first paragraph is... There are heroes on both sides. I was like, yeah. look, I, I know we're trying to like make a transitional movie here with this character, but heroes on both sides. Okay. It sounds like kind of like Donald Trump. Well, yeah, it's like there are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. That's, that's what that was. That's that was the rest says. of the line. Yeah. yeah. Evil is everywhere, which it's just like, it's such a platitude though. Yeah. It's, it's so like broad, like. Yeah, it's. I'm glad that at least this one's straightforward, you know? Sure. We're not okay. dealing too much with politics. We're really ground level what's going on in the galaxy, yeah. which I appreciate. But after that, we go into a sequence that has been emblazoned in my memory because of Lego Star Wars. <laughs> the oh, game. okay. The dogfight. Yeah. That's the opening mission for episode three in the Lego Star Wars game. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Because it's the opening of the film. Right. Yeah. It <laughs> makes sense. Uh, I remember failing that level a lot. So, yeah. like, seeing that, I, I had memories uh, to that game with this film. But I like that intro. I like that opening dogfight in space. I think it's one of the coolest moments in Star Wars cinema. Uh, I just like how it shows that Republic Starfight, that yeah. Republic Starship, and everything's, like, really quiet. Mm-hmm. And the Jedi Starfighters, like, cross over. And then it's just, like into like this absolute chaos yeah 
It's it's great. I really enjoy the ship design. I enjoy, like you said, like introducing us to the proto Star Destroyer. I guess. Yeah. Um, that's a fun touch, and there's a lot of stuff like that in this film. Uh, even the Jedi starfighters, in a way, are sort of proto Tie fighters because of the the general shape and the the windshield. I guess that's true. Also, uh, the Jedi starfighters can't travel. Uh, through hyperspace on their own. Yeah, they need those rings from episode two. Right, and the TIE Fighters are basically one of the only, like, single pilot ships in the original trilogy that can't go. See, I never knew that. That's why I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Um, (laughs) X-Wings can, but TIE Fighters can't. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so the dogfight is good. I think it shows George Lucas's... uh, Doesn't he love World War II fighter pilots? He wanted to make a movie about that with the original. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so seeing him shoot this movie, and honestly, one of my biggest takeaways is a lot of the action scenes are very reminiscent of World War II films. And I know that was a deliberate choice he made with the ending fight of Episode Two. He wanted to shoot it. It was all CG, but he wanted to frame it in a way that was like World War II documentaries. And I think that's why we were very attached to the clone fight at the end of Episode Two because it did have that foot in reality based on things we've seen before. Mm -hmm. So the action across the board for the actual fighting scenes, uh, the battles, I really liked all of them. Yeah. But the the dogfight is a standout. Uh, The dogfight I like especially because it it does a good job showing us Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if we want to go there right now. Yeah, let's go for it. But, uh, you know, there's... The, the time gap between episode two and episode three is like significant, significant yeah and things happen and they get closer with one another which which really only pay like it just builds to a good payoff at the end of this movie I mm-hmm. think um, and it shows us that they they're brothers yeah. they, they love each other they care for one another mm-hmm. um, and they work well together as a team see I wish I s- have the knowledge of the Clone Wars series going into episode three mm-hmm. because I feel like I would feel that more than being told that, you know? Yeah. Do you think it tells you that, though? I feel like it does a good job showing you it. Uh, Well, jumping to the end, Obi-Wan has that line, you're my brother. Right, okay. I don't fully buy it. I buy it a lot because of Ewan's performance there and his delivery, but their relationship throughout the first act of the film, because that's really when they're only together, I don't necessarily buy i think it's better than it is in attack of the clones okay because it's more it's less him talking down to anakin it's more of like we're kind of on the same page here yeah but there were just so many choices i think for the way they tell this story of anakin's downfall that make me think if obi-wan was truly on that level with him he would have seen it coming or he would have stepped in and if the if the excuse is that hey, the council said Obi-Wan should go take care of General Grievous. Yeah. And because of that, that's where everything fell apart. Yeah. It's like, I get you're telling a story, but I feel like there could have been a more, not impactful or realistic way, but like, it just seems very convenient Yeah. that Palpatine gets in his ear. And I, again, this could have been his chance to get in his ear, but like, Obi-Wan being gone, if one person was there, they could have just said one thing to Anakin and it would have switched things around. I feel like that's not a great way to tell the story of Anakin falling to the dark side. 
where it could be so easily fixed. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, I, I would like to push back a little bit on okay. that and say, um, I would consider that maybe Obi-Wan never saw this coming okay. because he was so wrapped up in that dog, dogmatic view of the Jedi. Okay. Um, and, and that's a big thing in the movie that Anakin starts to reject that mm -hmm. and he starts to feel betrayed by that. Mm -hmm. And he starts to feel betrayed by Obi-Wan. Yes. Specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just, I mean, I'm just thinking it through right now. Maybe Obi-Wan was so uh, loyal to the Jedi that he, he just like didn't consider that that could ever happen to his Padawan. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting, I guess, too, because now when we get into this film, Obi-Wan, and I don't think he was in uh, Attack of the Clones, but he's a full member of the Jedi Council. Obi-Wan? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, like he's sitting in that circle. Totally, yeah. I don't think he was in two. I don't know. I, it's it's confusing because I'm not sure if he was just a Jedi Knight in mm -hmm. two or if he was a master yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. Don't but know. yeah, he's definitely on the council in this movie. Yeah, so I guess what that says is sort of like seeing some of the sarcasm from Qui-Gon being passed down to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan still, like you said, follows the Jedi Order and he's like, that's his life. Right where he accepts it where his master didn't and he's a member of the council. Mm -hmm. So I can see that side of it for sure. Um, with Palpatine and Anakin's relationship though, which I think springs off of that, I feel like the Palpatine arc kind of just happens. Isn't it kind of just supposed to though? Yes, but I feel like it's just kind of going from one scene to the next of like what needs to happen is happening and there's no real reasoning for it other than Palpatine pulling the strings which I get but none of that is really conveyed well because one of the okay. questions I wrote down this Padme the visions of Padme that Anakin sees one are they caused by Palpatine to manipulate Anakin two how much is Palpatine actually controlling for all of this to work out the way he's wanting it to work out? Like, is he the one who, like, when he's, when he set up that assault on Padme's life in episode two, was he sending Anakin because he knew they would fall in love and have a child? Was that his foresight? Like, how deep in the weeds is he here? Is he the one that was like, I get that he's been commanding separatists, both sides of the war. I get that. Mm -hmm. More so on this watch, rewatch of the prequels than I ever have. Mm -hmm. But like the level of, is he like, does he control everything? Like every single thing, even the things we don't see him directly involved with? You know, I don't know. And it, it, I would, I would say just like gut reaction. Yes. Okay. Um, Cause I would believe it. Yeah. I, I, I would say gut reaction. Yes. But I also think that that's not. That also doesn't mean that there aren't wrenches thrown in his plan either. Mm -hmm. If you remember right in the beginning of this movie, he wants Anakin to go to Utapau. Yes. He, he's like pushing hard for that to happen, mm -hmm. but the Jedi Council doesn't let it happen. Right. And they send Obi-Wan instead. Yes. So I don't know, like, like maybe maybe he even foresaw that too. Yeah, like I, that, I was just going to counter with that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. And I, I think us not knowing isn't a case of Star Wars being mystical like it can be. I think it's more of a case of the level of control Palpatine has over the very straightforwardness of this arc of falling to the dark side conflicting with each other. Okay. And that's how I viewed it this time. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i always viewed it as 
as though Palpatine has just been pulling the strings and he just knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Very bold Palpatine, because the first, like, within the first five minutes of seeing him in this movie, he says, kill him and leave your master. It's like, dude, calm down. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, he <laughs> he gets through to Anakin on one of those. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But, like, that's a lot for the first, like, 20 minutes of this movie. This dude's already trying to do this much. It's like, man, I get where we're going, but, like, chill out for a second. Yeah, I don't... I. I don't know how Anakin just like, I don't know how he got to Anakin in that moment. It doesn't make that that doesn't really make sense to me. Oh, yeah. Like he, <laughs> Anakin just threw away like years of training. Yeah, just over like do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Ian McDermott, but some of his delivery in this movie is ridiculous. Oh yeah, the faces that he makes too. Yeah, um, the one specifically is no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that one's insane. There's a moment when um, Anakin and Count Dooku are fighting, and he's like, "Get!" Yeah, and it's yeah, just like, that "What is that?" <laughs> yeah, they cut to him, and he's like looking. He's like trying to like look up. He's like, eh. "Yeah, I, uh, so, so so many weird, weird choices." So weird. Uh, the scene with Mace Windu, though, that I just mentioned with the no, 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 mm-hmm. uh, I think is a perfect example of how too far George Lucas went in some cases with green screen sets. Because I don't think his office looks very good at all. Really? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of Coruscant, as opposed to what I've said, praising Coruscant in the last two episodes, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Coruscant is like, really? Okay. I think it was, honestly, I, I think the indoor scenes of Coruscant mm-hmm. were worse in episode two. Interesting. Um, I think that, obviously, that it's all blue screen, too, yeah. here in episode three. But I, I think the biggest standout is when the window breaks and you see that depth of the office and then the city. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's done well. And I think that's what messes with me. Okay. Uh, also the lighting when the window breaks, like it doesn't really change at all, which I get it's a window, but like right. you're going to have some sort of slight subtleties changing, but like I get it's an earlier film right. in this digital revolution. But I, I do think the over-reliance of the prequels in CG is the most present in this one, and I think because of that, it does have the most moments to stand out to me. In a bad way. Yes. Okay. Another example is when they're going to rescue Chancellor Palpatine. I think this is the worst in the movie. They open that elevator, and there's all those droids there, and they just, like, there's, like, no depth. It's so weird. I can try and, like, find a clip of it or something, but they open the elevator and in a moment that you think is going to be this cool thing of them just wiping out this elevator full of droids it looks like they're just like taking cobwebs off of stuff with a broom it looks so weird there there is a weird thing that i've noticed in this rewatch that we did of the prequels Mm -hmm. um that i also saw in that exact scene um there uh there are some moments where uh, there, there are lightsabers that are fighting battle droids, mm-hmm. but it's like shot from a POV angle. Yeah, and it's like it's like this this like either green or blue like light that just goes from one side of the screen to the other. Yeah, and it just looks unnatural. No, I agree. Like, I think there's another example of that when Obi Wan and Anakin are fighting, and they do like some of the close ups on their faces, and like the way the lightsaber moves just looks weird. Yeah, you know, and it's like you didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. But in another. Thing though, I I would say that some of the CG moments do look really good though. Like I was saying before with the battles, yeah, like every battle I think looks fantastic. Like whoa, yeah, for two thousand five, yeah, like that's crazy for sure. Like that opening battle specifically, I was watching it and I was like, this is this came out two thousand five, yeah, like whoa. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of cases of CG looking incredible in this movie. Yeah. Uh, most of them are when 90% of what's on screen is CG. Sure. But, yeah, there are... I'd say there's more impressive aspects of CG in this film than there are negatives. It's just the ones that are negative stand out to me because, like I said, there's way more CG in this one than the other two. Yeah, there is. Um, we touched on this briefly. Is Anakin just an idiot? Is he just dumb? What do you mean? Because there were several moments, key moments, of him falling or, like, considering options of the dark side where if he thought about it for like another 10 seconds, I think he would have realized what was going on. Yeah. And I understand. I totally get it's because he loves Padme. This is why he's doing this This is why he's going down this path. But like you said with episode two, their relationship really needed to work. Yeah. And as much as I really liked a couple of their conversations and there was another one in this one, I liked most of their conversation of her on the balcony when he was like, oh, I love you because you're beautiful. And then she was like, so I'm only good because I'm beautiful or something like that. Yeah. Like some back and forth there. Is that I the thought, one when she was like brushing her hair and he's yeah. just like looking at her like a creep? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, whatever her retort was to yeah. what he said, I liked a lot. But yeah, I definitely think, again, I don't blame Natalie Portman, but no. there's a layer of stiltedness still that pulls me out of believing his fall sure i think i think it's a little believable because this this character is just like so infatuated yeah with with padme based on what we've seen in one two and three yes and and i think that comes through regardless of whether or not like their relationship works on screen Mm -hmm. you could tell that the character is written to just like absolutely adore padme Mm -hmm. um and I don't know, man. Like, love makes you do crazy things. It does. And and he wants to save her life. Like, yeah. he, he had premonitions of his mom dying. And yeah, and I, I liked that. I like that he has the, the visions. And it's, it's kind of funny because, like, I feel like I remember a complaint for either seven or eight about a forced vision being like, there's no precedent for this. But uh, twice now. <laughs> forced visions are... There are a lot of them. (laughs) They're a a thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I know it sounds like I'm being critical about this movie, but I really enjoy Friend of the Sith. It's one of my favorites. It is one of my favorites as well. And I I think Anakin is the best here that he has been in the prequel so far. Totally. And I think Caden Christensen does a more believable performance. As far as everything goes, it is still stilted, but I think the way something changed between two and three, and I think he's more comfortable in this stage of Anakin than he was in episode two and I think because of that I'm more willing to buy into what we've been talking about the reasons you've been giving about why stuff should be working I mean I just think and I would imagine that when George Lucas was directing this movie he was probably telling Hayden Christensen like hey like this is where you are as a character like for lack of a better word like you're a badass like you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. you've been you're a hero yeah and let it get to your head yeah like act that way and he kind of does yeah i think like the the feeling betrayal by the jedi order i think is one of the best things for hayden christensen's character (laughs) in this entire series because as far as the range we've seen him give that the reaction he has to that and the 
turmoil he goes through of dealing with that, I think is well within his range of being, as far as with this character, whiny, uh, entitled, yep, and feeling betrayed. Mm-hmm. So I did buy that part. I did feel his arc of feeling betrayed by the Jedi Order. I bought. Yeah, totally bought that. I mean, I think it really just gets solidified in that that scene where he's like, where Mace Windu's like, "We, you're on the council, but you're not a master." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "That's outrageous." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's unfair. <laughs> um, so I, I do think maybe I would have liked it a little more if they framed uh, Palpatine's like hook in Anakin more about I can give you the recognition you deserve. Sure. Because he did touch on it briefly of like the Jedi are corrupt. They're trying to overthrow the Senate. Um, They want to kill me. There's a plot. They're plotting. So I I know he leaned into that aspect of it. But if he did lean into Anakin's hubris with the Jedi more so than his love for Padme and just being like, oh, and if you do get recognized, you're going to have all this power so you can save whoever you want. I feel like that might have been a slightly better way to frame it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I still enjoy what we have. There was a moment in this movie that I had never noticed before. What's up? Uh, it was the scene right after Anakin tells Mace Windu that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in the Jedi Council chamber. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, looking out over the sunset and he's crying. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they kind of juxtapose that with Padme, right? Yeah. Um, and he hears, he hears Palpatine say, if you let them get to me you'll never be able to save Padme. Yes, I like that a lot. And I had never noticed that before. I literally never noticed that before. I think in that moment, and just Anakin being alone, and I honestly kind of one of the better uses of, we're dipping into film stuff, Uh, (laughs) mise-en-scene. Anakin is alone physically in this Jedi Council room where he feels if the Jedi Council were there, he would still feel alone. So I like that aspect of it, him being introspective there. It's deep. Yeah. George Lucas, good job, man. Yeah. Um, and then sort of having a connection to Padme, at least the way they present it across the uh, s- streets of Coruscant. Just the vast expanse. Mm-hmm. And then Palpatine reaching out at that moment, like reach, like talking, like whispering in his ear, literally. I like that, and I think that is a good moment to sort of flip the switch. Totally. Because once they do flip the switch, as mixed as I am about how we get there, once they do flip the switch, I'm like in. I'm right. so in. Yeah. Like, yeah, go go to town, Anakin. Like, just do everything. Feel yeah. bad about killing Mace Windu indirectly, but like, yeah, go for it. Just go do whatever Palpatine's telling you to do. Right. I'm into that part of the movie. Yeah. Um, What do you think, I guess, about once Anakin... F- switches once he becomes Darth Vader do you think that it's believable like how does this portrayal of Darth Vader pre-suit impact your thoughts on Vader overall Uh, that's an interesting question Um, I think it still shows that Darth Vader is not 100% like he hasn't committed himself fully to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the scene where he storms into the Jedi Temple and he kills the younglings. And uh, yeah, bad, bad guy. If you couldn't hear that, my eyes glazed over. Yeah, literally, <laughs> I saw them roll back yeah. in Christian's head. No, yeah. uh, 
But, you know, then he goes to Mustafar and he he kills all of the separatists. And there there are a lot of scenes where, like, he just looks really distraught about it all. Yeah. And he's crying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that adds a lot of depth to Darth Vader, because at that point, Anakin's dead. Right. Mm -hmm. It's Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, He's obviously still conflicted. And yeah. I think it just, I, I think it adds a lot, especially, and I don't want to like jump too far ahead, but like the payoff at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like, yeah. It makes sense. I will say that you turned around my opinion on that a little bit, hearing you say that. Because when I asked you that question, the way I was standing was, it kind of softens Darth Vader for me. Mm-hmm. Where, especially the moment when we get the suit, and he's talking about Padme and like feeling emotions, hearing those that sentiment come out of Darth Vader as I know him in Episode Four, at least visually, yeah, ties it to the arc of Anakin and my dissatisfaction with a lot of his relationship with Padme and a lot of the things that bog down Anakin, mm-hmm. kind of get attached for me to bog down Darth Vader. Sure. Okay. But I like what you said as far as making him feel more conflicted because I did notice there were moments where it's the close-up cuts. The, the moment when you see the Sith eyes in Anakin, you do see like yeah. a dry tear on his face. Yep. So I appreciate that. And I think you putting it into context of Darth Vader's arc makes me like it more. I mean, I think it has to be put in that that context yeah i don't think i was thinking it that way and i mean like i know we don't want to jump ahead but it's like super hard not to yeah yeah yeah. uh you know the the visual of darth vader and we see darth vader in his suit in this movie so Mm. it's not like we're jumping too far ahead yeah um it's menacing and Mm -hmm. and you don't think that this this thing has any like emotion yeah but when anakin skywalker proper dies Mm -hmm. and and when in that scene with mace windu and darth vader is born Anakin Skywalker still hasn't really died. You know what I mean? He's still there. Mm -hmm. And we see that. Okay. I'm with you now. I think you made a good point. I think you have a good case on this. Um, I, because I think you also like backing that up when I do watch the originals, I'm not thinking about, I hate sand when I see Darth Vader on screen. So I think you have a good point. Um, there's a portion of this movie we haven't really talked about yet about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And his little adventure in this one. To Utapau? Yeah. Uh, he had a little adventure in two. He has another adventure in three. I love the Obi-Wan adventure. <laughs> Me too. They're kind of my favorite part of both of these <laughs> <Yeah>. movies, man. <laughs> he just does such cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, General Grievous, who, like we said earlier, was introduced in Star Wars Clone Wars, mm-hmm. uh, gives a reason for him having a cough. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, I like that back and forth. I think General Grievous... And his role he plays here is interesting. It's very Star Wars-y because it's like, oh, who's the thing this time? It's General Grievous. He's a cool design. He's a cool guy. He's got four lightsabers instead of the two. Yeah. Mysterious background. Yeah. Not really touched upon. Uh, do you like General Grievous? I, I have to say, when I first saw this movie, like as a child, yeah, I was like, what? Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I love this thing. No, I was not really into it. Okay. I was just kind of like, oh, like... Star Wars has to have, like, every Star Wars movie has to have, like, a bad guy, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is the one that's going to be this time. Yeah. Uh, but, like, as I get older and, like, I watch them, it, it kind of just, like, makes a little bit more sense. Uh, yeah, I think where you're coming from, 
seeing Palpatine have this grasp over everything, mm-hmm. General Grievous is important because he's part of that. Yeah. And that I think for, for this show, for watching the prequels, that is my biggest takeaway from these prequels that I've never really touched on much or like thought much about. Yeah. Palpatine did everything. Oh. And I'm, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go with you. Even the stuff that I can't explain. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> And I think that's kind of what you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. Like, you're kind of just supposed to be like, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Yeah. Like, the easiest way to write around Deus Ex Machina, make Palpatine a character in Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. I, yeah. It, it works. It does work, yeah. And it makes, Contextually. It makes sense in, within the, the framework of the movie. Yeah. And the story. Yeah. Um, General Grievous, I also like, just, <laughs> I just like how much he absolutely despises the Jedi. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, so I, I just think that's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. He's just so outward about it. Yeah. He's like, Jedi scum. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Uh, so the Utapau trip is fun. Yeah. It's cool to see Obi-Wan take down someone like General Grievous by himself, you know, because, like, comparing, he struggled with Jango Fett, he struggled heavily with Darth Maul yeah. and seeing him sort of come into his own. And this is his moment to shine in this saga in all six of these, him going toe to toe with a dude wielding four lightsabers. He holds his own. He kills him. Solid moment for him. Yeah. Not only does he kill him, he just like absolutely incinerates him. him. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think of the, uh, when he was like, Oh, uncivilized. What do you think of that? I think it's great. Okay. (laughs) I think anything Obi-Wan says in this movie is awesome. Yeah. Uh, He's my favorite character. I love everything he does. Yeah, he. I just Ewan McGregor. Like, can't wait to see more of him. Yeah, he. I think he just. He's the perfect Obi Wan for sure. Um, Yoda, Yoda on Kashyyyk, the Wookiees, Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. I like that battle scene in the water. Sure, that was one of the ones when I was talking earlier about the World War II imagery. Yeah, feel it heavy on Kashyyyk. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if George Lucas has some quote about this scene being his D-Day. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like storming the, be- the beaches of Normandy, yeah. basically. Not comparing it to something that has literally touched on that, like Saving Prior Ryan, because <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously you can't compare those two things. Right. But as far as in-universe, the imagery here made me think of that. Yeah. Uh, the rafts going in, the droid battleships. I like how some of the droid ships are basically just droids. They're drones. Yeah. You know, because there's no pilot. It's just the pilot is the ship. Yeah. I think it's a cool touch. I think it is too. I, you know, I just don't like, I think it visually looks really, really neat. Um, but I don't, it doesn't really have that much of a payoff in terms of the story. Like Yoda just ends up leaving. And oh, the, the entire scene. Yeah. Like, like, wh- like, why are they fighting? Like who, like, I guess it doesn't really matter. Like who wins. Yeah. I but th- like, it's not explained like Kiati Mundi, like on the Jedi council, he's like, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? Yeah. And it's like, but like, why? Like what, ha- what's happening there? Honestly, I think it's just kind of because, again, at this time, we didn't have Clone Wars to fill out this gap. Yeah. Um, I think it's just the film's way of conveying the fact that the galaxy's at war. Right. And that's why it exists. Yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan does have that throwaway line that's like, oh, that's a star system that we can't afford to lose. Yes. But, but like, why is it? Like, why? <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion on Chewbacca being in this movie? I'm, I'm like very neutral about it. Me too. He doesn't. It's not like in your face. Yeah. So. It's it's kind of strange that Yoda knows Chewbacca. Like yeah. how? <laughs> I just like the line where he's like, 
<laughs> where he's like, thank you, Chewbacca. Miss you, I will. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they never see each other again. Yeah. That we know of. I guess not. No. Yeah. Um, There's a few, I guess, general Star Wars concepts that occur in this movie that I'd like to bring up. Sure. One, I wrote down the specific quote under my phone. Hold on. Yeah. Let me get this out for you. Pull it up. Uh, uh, so this is after the Yoda and Palpatine battle. Okay. Which I know you didn't like Yoda flexing on Dooku in the last one. How do you feel about this one? Uh, anytime Yoda shows up on screen with the lightsaber, I'm out. Really? Yeah, I don't like it. Okay. I, I, I see why. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I think the setting of this is cool. Like the set in chambers, like mm -hmm. that's a really cool, um, that's a really cool setting for it. And I would like to amend the statement saying anytime Yoda or Palpatine shows up on screen <laughs> with the lightsaber, count me out. I'm not interested. Okay. Yoda, after that battle scene, after he's defeated, uh, makes his escape with Senator Organa. Mm -hmm. Yoda says, Jimmy Smith's baby. <laughs> Into exile, I must go failed i have that's a statement i would just like to keep in mind for a later date okay that's all i'll say all right fair enough so another scene i'd like to bring up <laughs> um is the transformation scene well do you want to talk about the battle first or do you want to dive into a quick little note i have about vader uh which battle are we talking about anakin versus obi-wan oh um well whatever you want to do first we can go through that first. Okay, sure. Good. Like, it's good. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just think, I just think it's cool. Like, I, and I hate to, and I hate to, to just be that surface level about it, mm -hmm. but like, it just is, you know? Yeah. The entire thing on Mustafar, like seeing Anakin go and kill the separatists, I think like what we talked about with it, it served its purpose. And then when Obi-Wan shows up, sneaking on Padme's ship, that entire encounter, like, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, visually, it's interesting, I yeah. guess. It's a new planet. We've never seen lava in Star Wars before. It's a very visceral, not even visceral. Visceral is not the right word for this. It's very, like, it's an in-depth lightsaber fight. We haven't seen anything on that scale for a lightsaber fight yet. Well, I mean, it's like Jedi. It's like Apex Jedi versus Apex Jedi, yeah. like at the top of their game. You get that moment where they're both using the Force, and they neither of them move because they're equals. Yeah. At this point in time, right? It's yeah. It's like it's a fight. <laughs> like I, I feel like I don't have anything interesting to say about it because I don't know if it does anything super interesting. It it kind of plays it safe. Yeah. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that that's an, a deterrent. It's not. That's why I said it's good. Yeah. You know? I, I especially like the conversation that they have. That's my favorite part of it. Immediately before, yeah. Yeah. Um it's a little bit it's a little bit too expository for, for my liking. Mm -hmm. Um it's it's kind of just like, hey, if you haven't been paying attention, like like I think the Jedi are evil. You know what I mean? Sorry, I was thinking about a separate part. Oh. Not the I thought you were talking about the conversation they have like mid fight where he's like, Then you're truly lost on the lava floaties. I mean that too. Yeah, I, that that is my all, favorite part of the fight. Okay, but I do like the the conversation beforehand, even for how direct and deliberate it is. Of Chancellor Palpatine's evil, <laughs> like, yeah, like having that back and forth, seeing like before we get into this fight, seeing that Obi Wan is like, 
I know he probably wants to save Anakin, but yeah. like that conversation, like nail in the coffin, he's lost. Right. So I, I'm with you there. Yeah. But as far as being an action fight scene, a lot of the thing that's riding on it is the fact that they're going to show up, like showdown again later on for me. Yeah. That most of what I'm carrying is the weight and I guess emotion from you and McGregor through this prequel trilogy is what is I have an attachment to in this fight. Sure, yeah. So seeing him like really just look broken and distraught mm-hmm. for those conversations mid before and after. Yeah. Those are my favorite parts. Those are the most interesting things for me because the lightsaber fight, I don't think it goes on too long, but like you said, they play it safe kind of. I would say that, you know, it, sh- it does show how broken Obi-Wan is. Yeah. He carries that emotion through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, honestly, you don't see that from Anakin because you're not supposed to. Yeah. Uh, and and he's he's fully committed to the dark side of the Force. Yeah, I think that hesitation that we were talking about earlier went out the window when he choked Padme. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I, don't th- I wasn't expecting Anakin to show emotion. I was just... I don't know. I think... Some something that made it feel more less flashy and more like this is an intense thing between two people that have this extensive relationship together. Yeah. I think the music does a lot for it. I love when they get Duel of the Fates sprinkled in there a little bit. The music in this movie is I'm I not, mean, amazing. Music in it's, all the it's, movies it's, yeah. phenomenal. But this one is great. Yeah, there's a lot of really good themes in this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish Duel of the Fates lasted a little more, you know, because I really think it's a great piece and just having that as a recurring theme throughout the trilogy, even though it was leaning into it a little more would have been cool. Right. Especially since this kind of is the Duel of the Fates more so than that original one ever was. Right. But, yeah. Um, I would like to say, uh, in, in terms of the score of this movie, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome, my favorite track is, is I think it's called On... The actual soundtrack, the immolation scene, mm. is when Anakin oh, is, yeah. is burning. <laughs> uh, and yeah. it's just like so like heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, played underneath Obi-Wan, like crying. Breaking down, yeah. Yeah, like, and that's just such a powerful moment in Star Wars. Um, yeah, it's iconic. And it's, yeah, and it shows, it shows that the, these movies are really just about the people, man. I think if that moment at the end of the fight didn't land as strong as it does then the rest of the movie and the fight would have been like a wet towel thrown over all of this. Yeah. Because I think that moment, and again, props to you and McGregor for carrying this. But the moment, the moment between them, him breaking down, you were my brother, you were the chosen one, I hate you, that entire back and forth I think really makes that all worth it. I agree. And then we get the 20-minute uh, ending. Which I don't have a problem with. I'm like comfy at this point. I props again to George Lucas. I thought the pacing in this movie was good. I was gonna say I think this movie out of the three that we've watched, has he got the, it the best pacing. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Things happen just like one after another, and you're not like sitting there and you're not like, okay, like mm-hmm. when is this pod racing gonna? End? Yeah, <laughs> you know? or like cutting for a line of dialogue, yeah. or I think. The amount of time that we need for each progression of each plot, almost perfect. Yeah. 
So good job. <laughs> Never bored in this movie. Yeah. And it's, I think this is the longest prequel. Is it? It's 220. It really doesn't feel like. I it. know. Yeah. That's what I was, that was another one of my takeaways. It was like, hey, this movie's like longer than the other two, but I'm not bored. I'm not checking what time it is. How much of that do you think has to just, uh, you know, how much? You, how much of that do you think is just you know, more stuff happens in this movie, and they have to get through it? I really don't know, because I do think you a lot of stuff happened in episode two, but it was just executed poorly. Okay, and I think that's why two felt so long for me. A lot of stuff, and I would say more stuff happens in this one as well, as far as where we need to go, but. I, I do think a lot of it comes down to the pacing. Fair. So, um, I, I'd like to say that the just the overall dialogue in this movie, the interactions of between characters, mm-hmm. it feels more natural. Okay. I uh, still think Anakin and Padme have like a weird Romeo and Juliet Shakespearean thing with the way they talk to each other. Yeah. They don't really talk to each other that much in this movie, though. Yeah. It's still like, it's weird because like him, oh, Anakin talking to Obi-Wan feels natural. Yeah. Anakin talking to Padme, it's like, what? What what is this? I think that's mostly just George Lucas being like trying to be Shakespearean. About okay, it. I'll I'll settle on that. Um, <laughs> like you said, there's a lot in this movie, and I feel like there's a lot that we're not going to be able to cover as far as intricacies go. Right. The the moment I did want to mention that I also thought was a nice subtle touch was when we get the reveal of Darth Vader when we're f- finishing up this film. The way that James Earl Jones delivers his lines, I like a lot because he's speaking in the cadence of Hayden Christensen. Yep, I, yep. <laughs> I never noticed that. It's really well done. It is, yeah. And it's it honestly it was probably as simple as Hayden read these lines. Okay, James, listen to them, sync it up in the VO booth. It was probably that simple, right. and I'm sh- I'm sure that's how they did it. Yeah, but. They definitely didn't need to do that, and I thought it was very good as far as merging these two characters together, which, as we as you showed me earlier, is a good thing. Um, I don't know if you know this, and you you might, but uh, that scene where Anakin gets the Darth Vader suit for the very first time, mm-hmm. um, and he gets like, uh, you know, risen up, and and he's talking to Palpatine, and he like takes off the uh, like he he like. Stumbles know, out. Stumbles out. That's not. That's not like. Uh, that's Hayden Christensen yeah. in the suit, mm-hmm. and they did that on purpose because he wanted. I can tell. Yeah, he wanted. He wanted it to look like on screen that Anakin has never been in the suit before. Yeah. Okay. And and he's like he doesn't know how it works, and he's awkward, and he's like he's like okay. this is a thing that I've never been in before, and so they had Hayden Christensen actually film that scene, uh, and he okay. had he had never been in the suit like. In real life, before that moment. Okay. All right. That's just a fun little tidbit. I'll take that, because <laughs> at first I was like, this is a skinny-looking Vader. Like, he's a short-looking Vader. He's a, a little weakling-looking. But I guess context of Anakin just getting to the suit, losing half his body. Yeah, being awkward and, and stuff. Yeah. I'll go with it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It I does, think. yeah. I, I think it's a nice little homage to Frankenstein, too, which is, like, another thing George Lucas has talked about. Oh, really? Of coming to life and just, like, ripping off the binds and, like, stumbling out. I like that. Yeah. 
Uh, we're not going to talk about the no <laughs> cheesy line. We just did. Yeah. That's bad. That's all we needed. It's really bad. <laughs> There's a lot of prequel memes, I think, that are found in episode three more than the others. Yeah. So it's treason then. <laughs> yeah there's a lot in this movie that's again good but I, I pretty much have said my piece on it um yeah i i just like this movie a lot if you, I, if you can't tell already i need to i don't need to pull out my phone for this ranking because again i know it me too yeah uh would you like to go first uh, for your ranking sure what am i starting from the top start or, from the bottom okay so from the bottom uh attack of the clones phantom menace Revenge of the Sith. I respect it. My ranking is Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Wow, it's like in order. Yeah. I For the longest time, I always thought they got better as they went on. Still kind of think that I have more nostalgia for episode one, but I think one and two are fine. Three is good. <laughs> That's where I'm going to stand. Right. I, I just really like three. Yeah, three, I think feels a certain way that none of the other films do in a very nice way yeah because for the time this was the modern take on star wars and i think it did that it achieved being the modern take on star wars better than episode one and two did i yeah and i i always hate to say like the whole nostalgia thing but it really impacts my ranking mm -hmm. if, and and there's nothing i can do to not have it impact my ranking and this movie i just literally grew up with like i don't know and yeah. i'm sure it was the same with you too but like it's actually interesting i didn't see episode three for a while oh really episode one and two i saw more i think still to this day i've seen episodes one and two more than episode three really okay. yeah um and i i didn't see episode three for maybe a couple years after it came out wow but when i did see it i was like oh this is good so the thing with me um, and, and I'm not going to go too far into this, but this is the first Star Wars movie that I can remember, like, the lead-up to mm -hmm. and, like, the hype to. Um, when I was... This came out when I was, like, in the second grade, and I remember <laughs> I had to get, like, some surgery done, and my dad was trying to cheer me up, so he bought me, like, a Time magazine with, like, Darth Vader. It was, like, a cover story about, nice. the Revenge, of, about Revenge of the Sith, and I was, like, hyped, and that's just a memory that I have. Nice. Um, but... Yes, I remember the the lead up to this. I remember watching it in the theaters. Mm -hmm. So, I just remembered something. Yeah, I wanted to run this by you. I don't think this is worth dedicating fire the cannon to. But okay. did you ever play Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith for the PS2 or PC oh, or Xbox? Hell yeah! One, I I still have the box for that game. I don't own any of my PS2 games anymore, but I do have a few of the boxes still. I have that one, and I have Battlefront 2's box. Yeah. That game was a lot of fun. Did you ever get the alternate ending for <laughs> yes. this game? For viewers, if you're not familiar with the Episode 3 game, I don't know. This was a LucasArts game, correct? I, I played the crap out of this game. Okay. I loved this game. As yeah. Game. But, like, LucasArts signed off on this. Uh -huh. This is their game. Oh, yeah. So, there's an option for the final fight on Mustafar where if you do this certain thing I forget what it is yeah. but you get an option or you get a bonus ending or some, you get an alternate ending where Anakin I think Anakin gets the high ground first yeah. or he achieves what he wanted to do something like that yeah 
and he kills Obi-Wan. And then Anakin leaves Obi-Wan to die, meets up with Sidious, gets knighted as Darth Vader, looking like Anakin Skywalker, and gets his red lightsaber. I don't know what happens to Padme, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that <laughs> it's an ending. Yeah, it's an ending. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't see how that would really fit in, because it fundamentally changes... Everything, yeah. Everything, but... I'd be interested to see, like, an alternate take, though, of, like... What, what would, if anything does that change? Yeah, what happens after that? Yeah, um, that would be cool. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm glad I remembered that because that was something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, no, we need a Star Wars multiverse so we can yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> we man. can explore that alternate alternate timeline. So that is going to wrap up episode three of Jedi Knights and episode three of Revenge of the, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Finished the prequels. Yes, we did. So, well, technically, yeah, technically. <laughs> Next week, we have another prequel, but not the prequels. Next week, the prequel trilogy. Yes, okay. Next week, we will be reviewing, ranking, and viewing Solo, A Star Wars Story, which, fun fact, I have never seen. What? I've never seen Solo. Seriously? Yeah. It's like on Netflix and stuff. I know. And then when I got the idea for this show, I was like, you know what? I think it'll be interesting if I go into the show and the episode having not seen the film. Very interesting. So I've been holding out. Can I ask you why? Just came out at a bad time. Okay. Like I saw Infinity War, I saw Deadpool 2, and I was like, that's my movie money for the month. Sorry, Solo. Interesting. So I'm interested. I like Donald Glover. Yeah. So I'm I'm really, you know, I'm interested to see what you have to think about this movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but Mike, if anyone would like to follow you and your endeavors online, where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike P. Connors. Very nice. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris N. Buckley. Uh, if you're watching this, you're on YouTube.com slash JoyClicks. If you're listening to this, you're probably on Spotify or Apple Podcasts because uh, the show's available on there, if you did not know. And the links to those are in the description, as well as the link to Patreon.com slash JoyClicks, where, if you so choose, you can uh, help fund the shows. Yeah, if we get to $1,000 per month... Uh if we get to if we get to fifty dollars per month, <laughs> I will uh, do a show in my underwear. Below the table, <laughs> I will do the show in my underwear. You'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. Uh, there is a fifty dollars tier though for ten slots. Uh, if you want to do support at fifty dollars, you get a bunch of little goodies worth checking the website out for, as well as being mentioned in our break. Of this podcast, any other podcasts we produce with a short little message of your choosing, as long as I approve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, thanks for joining me, Mike. Oh, yeah. As always, it's a pleasure. I'm happy talking about episode three because it is a good movie, finally. We're in the good movies now, I think. We're, we're starting to get into the swing of things here. Next week is solo, like I said. And until then, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you? That's a solo line. Said it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. May the force be with you. See ya. General Kenobi. <laughs>